What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Black Men Unlearning. I'm your co-host, Edwin Lee. And I'm your co-host, Kyle Brooks. Kyle, it's February. Happy Black History Month, brother. Man, I, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, man. Indeed, it is Black History Month, uh, which I was reminded of <laughs> yesterday in class. Uh, one of my students, I will let you guess their hue or uh, <laughs> their descent. Not their or <laughs> whatever, right? Uh, but they wish me, they wish me a happy Black History Month yesterday, uh, and I had <laughs> I don't know why it was so funny to me because it seemed like a genuine like, hey, Professor Brooks, happy Black History Month, <laughs> and the only thing I could think to say was thank you. I think yeah, that's that's cool. Thank you, thank you. Right, it was a that inflection <laughs> like thank you, the handshake. Okay, I guess this is cool. And I'm with our hands. Right. What do I what do I do with my hands? I don't know. Um, but it it was it was also but I mean I was like it makes sense. I was like, man, we are in an Africana studies class. You know, I um I feel like I show up in that space as uh as black as I normally am. <laughs> sure. Uh which is very black. Um black but you know when I think yes, because I'm black, y'all. Um, but particularly, man, when I think of Black History Month, what comes to mind for me immediately uh, is that there would be no Black History Month without uh, first the advent of Negro History Week, which was uh, started by none other than the illustrious African-American scholar Carter G. Woodson. And I can't think of Carter G. Woodson and not think of some of the tremendous work he produced uh, stuff that became a part of my own work, my dissertation, namely his uh, classic text, I believe from 1933, The Miseducation of the Negro. And I think about that text often because as, um, you know, a, well, an educated Negro and uh, a particularly highly educated in a degree one at that, I'm often struck by how my decisions to be in academia to do my professional work here, uh, to do this work of teaching and mentoring and advising and research. It has also presented me with a great number of challenges and transitions as I try to navigate, how do you remain true to a sort of vision of a future, a vision of your work and labor and person that you wanna see unfold. Um, it's not lost on me that often these spaces, uh, and you and I can certainly relate, you know, as, as uh, academics, that often it feels very challenging to do the kind of work uh, as uh, I think of the late Katie Cannon would put it, you know, the work that your soul must have. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's not even just an academic thing. I mean, certainly when Carter G. Woodson wrote Miseducation of the Negro, he's talking about a sort of broad sense of miseducation. How is it that we uh, often get thwarted along the path towards our best fulfillment or our best flourishing? But the thing that strikes me in all of that is it's not enough to know that there are obstacles and challenges to our flourishing and to our goals, our uh, journeys ahead, but it's also important that we're able to discern what exactly is it that we're seeking? Like, what are our goals? What are our deep needs and desires and wants? How can we be sure? And how do we recognize uh, when it's time to, whatever, whatever the analogy may be, if you're a fisher, it's time to cut bait and run. It's time to switch horses. It's time to, you know, choose a different fork in the road. Um, and so in all those ways, I think this question of how do we really pay attention to what it is we want and need from life and be attentive to when the path we're on might actually be hindering the journey we really want to pursue. 
I think this is a very layered, challenging thing for, for Black men, particularly, in the ways that we're socialized, in the ways that we show up. Um, because I think that there's a significant part of our socialization that places value on being right and choosing the right things uh, and going after goals with with fervor and and um, going after big things as well. I think both of us have experienced in our PhD journeys people being particularly impressed by the choice of going after that and I can I can speak to in my experience having a level of mm, emphasis or 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 honor that that was um associated with with my work as a scholar that was not extended to black women that I share space with and so we could we could be you know pursuing degrees we're all pursuing phd's in this space but my doing it had a different tone and tenor uh than than theirs and i think when we are 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 so focused in this way on getting to that goal and being kind of singularly focused uh, with going after these things, there's a lot of that work that can require us to suppress or ignore what is happening internally. I think both of us have spoken of the difficulties of those de degree programs and what they cost us and what was difficult about them in general. But I do remember having to embrace a sort of callousing around the things that felt awful and a coping so that I could keep going. And as I've moved beyond that degree and into, you know, post-school life as a, a very late entrant, entrant into post-school life, um, I found that it has been hard for me to distance myself from that type of stick to if you will, to a point of, to a fault. So it's like, there's always a way to, to keep it going, to keep it moving, to, to, to fix it, to adjust, to just put your head down and push through. And as we've stated in other conversations, I think when we start to numb ourselves to what we feel that we don't really control the areas that are numb. Like you, you are you are deadening your ability to feel in general. And once you decide to to deaden one feeling, you don't get to selectively choose which other feelings no longer communicate to you, or that you're which other feelings you're 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 sensitive to, or that you remain sensitive to. And in that, like it it becomes very difficult for me just in the course of who I am as a human, what I've experienced, what my um, my my kind of trigger points are, and my and my traumatic experiences, and those things that have shaped me from a point of like trying to protect myself from pain. Um, it's hard for me to really hear myself enough and trust myself with big change. And I'm realizing that I've been practicing not being sensitive to those kind of small whisperings in, of, in your mind, in your body. I've, I've practiced cutting off that kind of internal communication in order to move forward. And now I, I've become a little more attuned to the danger associated with that. That's very real. You remind me of something I came to understand about myself in reflection about my own childhood. I realized that 
part of the reason I became so academically inclined was because it was a way of applying my mind to a thing and distancing it from certain immediate challenges beyond my own control. So mentally, I knew, okay, I can control and be in charge of my academic success. So that's what I'm going to do. And the more I do that, the more that becomes the dominant set of feelings and emotions and concerns and goals and outcomes. But it also means I'm cutting myself off from a lot of other things and particularly cutting myself off from deeply feeling about, well, why did you want to do this this way? What has your pursuit done to even distance you from your own desires and interests to distance you from your own body. And so it became so easy to be in this world of mental activity and imagination and theoretical construction. And I had to remember at some point, well, you live in the world. Your, your actions, your activities are unfolding in time and space. And you got to be present for that. Because you can do a whole lot of thinking and imagining, but at some point you got to act. At some point you got to do. And it's not an either or, it's like both and, and like they need to be kind of folded into each other. Because I'm a believer that our, um, our actions um, are informed by our thinking and vice versa. Um, we, we are in a kind of loop with ourselves and with others where no single thing we're doing in our, in our lives uh, is utterly disconnected from all the other things. But alongside that, this importance of being in touch with uh, feeling and being present to our own bodies. And like, that's, a, that's an ongoing challenge and struggle for me uh, to just be, to like really be here and not um, just in the world of my mind that I, that I built in some ways to insulate myself from the painfulness, uh, the sadness that often came with being here, being present. But it also reminds me of the importance of not just being in touch with the feeling, but in, in touch with the hearing, with the listening, uh, that all of our senses matter uh, in the ways that we're able to kind of interpret and understand our world, but particularly the importance of listening to yourself. Uh, I know I was sharing with, sharing with you earlier um, about how I'd heard a, a psychologist talking about uh, the significance of listening to ourselves and how, you know, a lot of people are often seeking for someone to give them some perspective or some advice and to let them know, well, okay, how should I handle this or what should I do? And often within that, we are at a distance from really hearing ourselves. It can be hard when I'm just sharing a thing or if I'm dumping or I'm ranting or whatever. I believe that somewhere embedded in all of that is a statement about what I actually need and want. But I often can't recognize it because it's lost in the thick of all this other stuff that's clouding my mind, that's bringing me worry or anxiety or concern. And the need to be able to really slow down and to take a step back to hear, to, to, to see, to perceive, what is it I'm actually saying? Uh, what is it that I really want? Is the path I'm on taking me there? And how, how in the world do I know? My mind is going like a thousand miles a minute <laughs> right now. Um, man, I, us being of a, a, a similar age, our parents, uh, and even grandparents experience, experience similar kind of cultural significance in the world and moving within the world. And so, um, I think that that, I think, a, a, a and I think this is true for you, but correct me if I'm wrong, um, in, in in my upbringing, there was a certain allowance for for painful things. Like that's just the way of the world. That's the way it's gonna be. 
So you're going to have to figure out how to move past that. And I, I, I say that in this moment without judgment, like that was just a part of, of the work. What, what I, what I find myself in, in this conversation trying to pick apart is like how much of that has contributed to my penchant for escapism? Because there are these factors that I have learned that I don't control. So when things about my work or things about my life are particularly painful, but they're moving in a direction that I have convinced myself is outside of my ability to shift or change, that instead of shifting or changing it, I engage in activities and hobbies that just take me away from it. They make me feel free, right? And while I haven't done an extensive amount of thinking about this, I'm I'm trying to, to kind of play with the correlation in real time. Like, what are the things that as 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 boys and young adults and as young men and generally in our in our adult lives as men that are our hobbies and are the activities that we engage in for leisure and do all of those fall in the escapism category because of what feels like the lot that's been cast for our lives is one around like we we do this work and we are we are seemingly under these circumstances that we cannot remove from ourselves or separate ourselves from. And so in order to press forward, you gotta dull your, your sensitivity to these things that will happen. In order to achieve, you gotta be able to move past the indignity of the thing and keep going. And so instead of spending time learning to discern what I want, I've spent more time just continuing to go after the thing that feels like it's right and opted to busy my, myself with other things that I like in the, in the time that I can get away from it. So I don't know if that resonates with you, but like escapism feels like it has a, a, a particular texture in this conversation that um, I'm, I'm not sure quite yet where, where it fits, but it feels like it's, it's right there. I absolutely agree. At your first mention, I started to think of the things that I do in my everyday life. And what is it that we're trying to escape? Sometimes, and I mean, so I'll, I'll name this. Like I came home from work yesterday and I was beat. Like I usually, uh, what, today's a Friday. So typically on Thursday evenings, I got some of my colleagues, coworkers that we, uh, we get together, we play trivia uh, Thursday nights. It's fun, you know, thing we do week to week kind of anchor as a part of my social life. Uh, and it's great. I love doing it because one, it takes me out the house. Uh, it puts me with other like-minded people who also enjoy socializing and who are also nerds who are like, yes, let's play trivia competitively. Uh, and we more often than not win convincingly. That is tangential to the story, but it's also a part of my enjoyment of doing this week to week. It's the, be out it's, here the, killing it. it's the flex when no one who is present for these things is here. <laughs> no one, no one. Listen, no flex zone. No, thank you. Flex all the time, every day. 
but so I didn't go last night because I was just wiped out. I've been teaching from like, you know, nine in the morning to like, you know, almost 4 p.m. And so I came home and man, I like got in the bed and watched TV. And like, that's what I did for the evening because I was spent. Mm-hmm. And while that's not the way I would want to spend every single evening, I also think about how easy it is to retreat into certain forms and certain models of escapism. Man, like escapism has gotten remarkably advanced and textured and readily available and accessible. Like, think about how often, you know, if you feel boredom creeping in, you just pick up your phone. Yeah, man. Like, folk don't even, we we don't even know how to be bored no more. Like, it's stimulus. But, like, the also the thing about these readily available stimuli, whether it's turning on the TV, whether it's having, you know, streaming anything you want on demand, whether it's, you know, watching a movie, watching a TV show, playing a video game, uh, you know, door dashing, whatever it is you want to eat. Um, you know, this, we, we live in a world that is capitalizing profoundly off of a broad desire for convenience and options. And while that works out great for people who are trying to cash in, what it doesn't work out so great for is it actually alleviating or addressing the lives that create circumstances which cause us to want to seek out some sort of numbing agent, some sort of alternative, some way of creating distance between ourselves and the bad feelings we feel from the stuff we got to do in order to be able to pay our bills. Uh, You know, put food in the refrigerator, right? Right. Like put gas in the car or, you know, plug in the electric, whatever the case may be. But all of that to say that we get caught in this space between things that are undesirable, but necessary for sustaining our lives. And then we retreat to things that are immediately satisfying and gratifying, but often feel less so over time. So like being able to have whatever we want on demand makes having things on demand actually feel less satisfying, less interesting. It's just, that's that's what's the new normal now. Uh, but so part of what I've been trying to think about are in a day-to-day life, right, like a day-to-day life, what are the things that I do that actually break me out of just a familiar cycle and rhythm? Because often what happens, at least, you know, when I think about the various escapist routes we've been taught to take and like think about all the ways it could be whether it's from you know entertainment sex uh you know recreational substances of various sorts um all of these things um they in all of these things we can see the potential for abuse and overuse that pulls us away from a sort of critical connection to to like everyday life. But I also but also think part of the challenge is if you've been taught to expect, man, life is hard, life is brutal, deal with it. It's like, well, man, where is the the gentleness? Where is the slowness? Where is the retreat and the the restoration, the meaningful reflection? And I'm like, well, I get why folk are not inclined to, it's like, well, man, I spend all day being stressed at this job. Like, I don't want to go home and then have to like meaningfully think about like, hmm, okay, what am I going to do that's going to actually be restoring? It's like, bro, all I do know is I want to not feel like I failed at work, right? <laughs> so so this is, I think, part of, part of the challenge is that we're trying to break what is a much larger, a much larger rhythm of production, perfectionism, like an unceasing grind. And like the thing is the the world as currently structured rewards those who are willing to do inordinate kinds of things in order to be on top. 
you know, whether it's, you know, thinking about the sort of grind and hustle culture, uh, whether it's, you know, every everybody's, you know, they got they got the day job and they got like, you know, two other things they try to do on the side. And folk will talk about like, you know, they 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 and they even make, you know, they even make a business of, you know, selling you on their plan, their game, their their strategies for this is how you make it. This is how you get your first million. This is how you do X, Y and Z. This is how, you know, get the leg up, get this promotion, get this job, get, you know, this status, all of that. And it struck the thing that strikes me often is if a so-called good life is always requiring us to be hustling and strategizing around things, like maybe that actually is part of the problem that like you can't actually like a good life, quote unquote, doesn't seem like a thing that is actually promoted. What it seems to be promoted is a kind of sense of artificial scarcity that says if you don't hustle, if you don't grind, you're going to get left behind and, you know, you'll have no one to blame but yourself. And I'm like, no, I don't think this is actually what I bargained for. I think in some ways, like, this world is kind of trash and, you know, people don't want to hear that from somebody who's like, well, I mean, you know, you're PhD and you're gainfully employed and you're doing X, Y, and Z. And it's like, yeah, and sometimes like I just see how like profoundly unsatisfying this whole enterprise of like trying to do the next big thing can be. Yeah. And so, you know, that importance of like being able to check in and say, well, even with the things we do for fun, like you ever stop and ask yourself, hey, how much do I really enjoy this? Or is it just not the thing I don't enjoy? And that's enough. You know, I so I I I took a social media break at the end of 2022. And during that time, like I I could see my compulsion to like reach my for my phone and do something, which speaks to the silent addiction that we all do not talk about in our addiction to our devices. And constantly wanting them near us and, you know, reflexively checking them every few minutes. And it is not good at all. But um, at one point I noticed I installed some game on my phone and I was like sitting there for 20 minutes playing it. And then I like, it's like I woke up from the stupor and like something in my mind was like, what the hell are you doing? Why did you download this? Take this off your phone. And I and I deleted it. And and man, like I, I think it's important that we like highlight that there is a whole market of having endless games, not like endless, like the number of games is endless, which it kind of is, but games that never end so that you are constantly engaging with it. It has more levels than you'll ever beat. You you know, besides it also asking you to do like in-game purchases and stuff so it can rob you uh, of your coin. Um, like they're, they're, they exist to just keep you constantly looking for that, that dopamine rush. And when you catch yourself going for that, that is not a great realization. It's quite uncomfortable in my, it, it's been uncomfortable in my experience. And what I found out about myself is that I have a habit of coping to get close to what feels like my center instead of centering myself. Because centering yourself is actually work. <laughs> right. And we don't want more work. We want to feel better. We want to feel good. Yes. yes. We feel satisfied. And that and that be the it's the it's the it's and the it's the ongoing cycle, right? Like chasing this high that never quite it's it's always just out of reach but if you feel like you can see it or perceive it then you just keep chasing you keep going for sure but then those behaviors they they do more of the numbing that we were talking about right like i can't hear myself because the tv is too loud because i'm i'm binging these shows and like this, please don't receive this as like we're up here saying like don't watch TV and don't do these. Like we're not a prescriptive type outfit here. That's not what that's not our get down. Like 
our our big thing is like let's think about it like this is a thing that is happening in my life let me face it let me think about it let me actually discern whether this is a thing that i i want is this good for me and i'll tell you man like when i when i lose myself in video games for several hours like i'm just trying to feel better and yes i enjoy the game and i enjoy playing video games but sometimes i'll be overdoing it because i'm just trying to feel better man and you spend a whole week just going hard and you just want a break. You just want time that that is yours and you want time that doesn't feel like it's burdened. And and the the thing about the thing about working on hearing yourself is then you got to actually listen. And then you start to hear stuff that it don't always come back sounding that nice. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah man, I you know that that's the that's the that's the rub man it's it's there is a time and a place for us to get our little dopamine fix. I'm not out here vilifying like the things that we enjoy. Yeah. But I think we we are contributing to the structure that is designed to distance us from ourselves when we over-index on those behaviors that just help us to cope, like give us our fix. Yeah, man. I, like, I don't want to live an entire life just coping. I want to I want to live a life that I care about and it doesn't have to be perfect or be this imagined ideal but I do want it to be real. I want it to be considered. I want it to be thoughtful. Cuz I'm right there with you. I mean I I I made a joke on social media about seeing uh just some madness in terms that was unfolding within the different circles I'm in academically and I was like, you know what? This is why I be on PS5 web swinging with Miles Morales and them because y'all doing a whole lot and there is no benefit to my life from arguing with nobody here or being right publicly in these social media streets, right? Um, and... <laughs> So I'm I'm very aware of the selective moments when I kind of like pull back and I'm like, yeah, let me just stay in my pocket, man. Like PS5 has been a great investment. And I ain't even gonna front, man. I mean, I got through my comprehensive exams in grad school with a healthy dose of Batman Arkham City. <laughs> like that was my go-to. I would be like, all right, fam, I am the knight for the next hour and a half because boy I just spent all day in this library and now I'm just trying to like disconnect, disassociate uh, or dissociate whatever the word is but in any event what, what comes to mind right is that ultimately I believe and I know this for myself when I'm really listening to myself I know that what I'm yearning for is a life that actually feels and is as good as we're often trying to make life look. Say that. You know, I think about how many times, especially around the holidays, man, people be posting these struggle plates talking about like, this is good, <laughs> it's good eating right here. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe that plate tastes way better than it looks. But what is it that compels us to, like, do we think the meal tastes not as good if we don't broadcast to people that we're having? Like, is it enough to just enjoy the meal? Because I'm like, now I, you know, I got, I got people in my circles who do, like, actual food photography, right, and staging. So I'm like, there's an art to that, which most of y'all don't know. And I don't be on that when it's time to, to make the plate. Right. Like when I'm trying to, like when I'm eating good, man, like I'm just like, bro, let's get this, let's get this plate and get to eating. Right. But so what, but like what it, what it brings to mind for me is 
at times the I think there can be this notion that the performance of the good thing is actually as meaningful or valuable as the, the goodness itself. Because I realize how much, like when I'm really in my bag in terms of the life I love and I'm living, I'm like, man, I'll be thinking about like, oh man, I need to tell people about this. I need to show them this, show them what's happening so they can see how good I got it. And I'm like, and that's not an anti, like it's not a against social media, right? But it is to say that sometimes I think the the kinds of behaviors that get amplified or magnified in these different spaces also become a coping mechanism. So it's like, if I can be committed to this performance, does that also keep me from having to do, right? Like if I can center myself in this post, does that, you know, take away from you actually having to do, as you said, the work of centering yourself in daily lived experience? And so part of the thing I've been I've been thinking about is like, what are what are all the ways that yourself, your body tells you about what actually is good to you, not just what seems interesting or attractive? Because I know, for instance, how I feel when I'm getting adequate amounts of fresh fruits and vegetables. I know how I feel when I'm getting my, you know, getting my good water intake, you know, on good days, right, when I get that whole gallon. Um, I know how I feel when I'm away from screens for a while. I know how I feel when I go out and take a long walk around my neighborhood or when I have like a wonderful conversation uh, catching up with, with dear friends. Uh, I know how I feel when I have a sense of purpose and I have a plan for how I'm pursuing it. Um, and I do know that, man, here's what I believe. I believe that goodness is so much more about process than product. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes stop to think about how much goodness do we miss out on because we're trying to produce a specific outcome. I, like what happens when, you know, we maybe take a step back from, well, this is how things are supposed to look. This is how they're supposed to feel. This is how it's supposed to all be. And just say like, man, well, what if goodness can be like different things, but we got to actually give ourselves room to, to, to sit with, to rest in that goodness. That's, I think that is particularly challenging for us because of it it goes against so much of what we've come to to know i i, I grew up wanting to be a millionaire man you know what i'm saying like right you know, get like, this money yeah i was watching watching cash money on tv and i wasn't trying to be a rapper but like i listen like i was trying to 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 win on the academic side so i could get to the bag um and so that 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 outcome independence part is really hard because the whole reason I'm doing this is so I could get to something. And and it's hard to practice that in the context of a, a a capitalist culture that very much shapes your life and the quality of it around your ability to get to those things. Um it's it's I think there's a level of engagement with this that can be described as maybe lacking a point if you can't really change the overall circumstances. And I can see that argument. I I, I can see that argument. I just think it doesn't quite settle it for me like it's not enough because my substantive circumstances are just not not enough in line with with what I want for me to just kind of shrug it off and keep doing what I've been doing I uh I've been saying for for several years now that I'm 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 trying to I've been trying to get into the practice of hearing myself 
and more recently, um, through through therapy and some other intentional work, I have I've been hearing <laughs> a lot more clearly like what what's what's been happening, you know, internally this entire time. And it's I think this is part of what is so challenging, particularly for black men, because we, within the context of a capitalist and racist culture, we have been taught about the value of what we can produce. And we ourselves have mistaken our individual value for those things that we produce. And producing things doesn't have anything to do with, you know, who you are. And ultimately, like what's true about you internally, um, well, maybe not, it doesn't have anything to do with, but it's certainly not the sum total of, of those things. And so spending the time to really get in tune with, with what, what my soul actually desires, you know, the work that my soul would have, right? Is I think in some ways is a privileged way to look at the world because I think your your circumstances and needs dictate your ability to be able to spend that time. Um Ideally, we would want everyone to be able to do that, but that's not the the world we live in. And I think within that, it's there's so much of an emphasis placed on you know forward thinking and looking ahead that we just miss so much of the wisdom development that comes with being present and looking back. And I found that both of those things are extremely difficult. Having to learn what I got wrong or to learn that actually that thing that I thought I did wrong, it wasn't, it wasn't me, it wasn't my fault. And having to release that or extending myself grace in, for the times that I just blew it like those moments have helped me in my present because right now I'm trying to really discern what is good pain and what is like degenerative pain. And I, I don't even want to use the word good here. So I should say what is generative pain and what's degenerative pain, right? And, and understanding, like just to put it in context, like, yeah, man, like you go to the gym, you know, you do a really hard cardio workout, you're not killing yourself. It can feel like that, <laughs> but you're not, you're not killing yourself. You're actually doing some good things for your body. So that pain that you are feeling is not a bad pain. You know, if you go when you have a hamstring injury and you try to run through it, then that whatever gain that you would get from the generative, you're losing in the degenerative sense. So I think for our lives, like we have just seen pain as pain rather than and, and saying like we got to deal with it regardless, rather than being able to see, you know, well, what parts of this can I shift so I can have more of the generative and less of the D. Generative. I, I just couldn't leave it at D. I'm sorry. Childish. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 I understand. I understand. You know, it's clarifying for our listeners. Uh, but to that man, to that point, yeah, I I am not devoted in any way to uh, any kind of masochism. I'm not a believer that. Well, I will say this: I don't believe we live the kinds of lives we want if our primary goal or objective is avoiding pain. I do know 
and I'm not chasing pain, but like to be able to accept that sometimes it comes with, or rather that it does come with the, uh, the cost of admission to a life of feeling. Then in that way, I can make meaningful decisions about, okay, yeah, if this hurts right now, this feels difficult now, you know, do I ultimately believe or feel that it's worth it for me down the road? And that, to me, I think is part of that that critical work of assessment. How do you know when you need to to pack up and go? And I think about what uh, I, I heard, uh, I don't remember who said it. Um, it might have been attributed to, uh, was it maybe Cat Williams talking about Chris Rock? But anyhow, I think Chris Rock said something to the extent of, you know, you can't make an entrance if you never leave the room. And there are many times in life where I think part of what we can, we confront is, man, you know, I feel like I've been in this room for a long time. Is this where I need to still be? Is this where I should stay? Cause sometimes just staying, staying and gritting our teeth is easier than leaving the room and being like, man, I don't know where I'm headed next. Uh, at various points of my life, I, and I mean, this is, you know, this, these are the kinds of things that, really only makes sense in retrospect at the time it can feel like a lot and feel uncertain but when i look back over the course of my life my trajectory personally professionally what becomes clear to me is that at every given step of significant transition or when transition was impending i didn't have some clear step-by-step -step blueprint of how to build the bridge to the next thing what I often had was just enough space, just enough light, just enough sense of direction to take the next step. And what that requires is being attentive to yourself when you know, hmm, I don't know exactly what's next, but I know I gotta keep taking steps. I know that staying here is going to be stagnant and it's ultimately just gonna leave me feeling further away from where I wanna be because you know, it's like being in a boat and just drifting, right? You're not actively pushing away from shore, but you drifted all the time mm -hmm. that you decide to do nothing. You're going you're somewhere. Not, you're not anchored. Exactly. And the it, it's better to go somewhere you're choosing than to just go somewhere by default. And so at, at each of these sort of big transitional moments of my life, I realized, man, I don't want to default to whatever is coming. I want to actively choose a path, a direction, a plan. Like, I'm going to do something. And it may or may not work. But what I'm not going to do is stand still and fail by default. Uh, I think of, uh, you know, a question that, that a friend of mine mentioned. Uh, their therapist asked them uh, on a regular basis, you know, what is your evidence or what evidence do you have that things are going to turn out the way you imagine? And particularly, like, if we think something's going to be a failure, stuff's going to fall apart, things are crumbling around us, life is trash. It's like, okay, well, what's the evidence that, like, that is how it absolutely must be, how it absolutely is going to be, that there is no other possible outcome? And I came to the understanding, looking at the different transitions of my life, that The change has to happen while you're scared. It has to happen while you're unsure. Um, it has to happen in the moments where you're still figuring out how to believe in the worth and value that you bring. You still learning how to believe in, not so much in your own hype, but in what you genuinely bring to the table. You know, you're still learning to believe in your skills, to trust your abilities, to uh, trust your instincts, your capability, your power. And so under understanding all of those things, what, what, I, what I continually come back to is, man, you don't want to look back at your life and say, well, I didn't make a choice. I just let life choose for me. Mm -hmm. 
um i would rather and man some of the best briefest advice i've ever heard two words fail quickly mm. don't waste time and I, man i'm i'm thoroughly convinced that a lot of people frustrated and stuck in life because they've been in the thick of a long failure but maybe have been petrified of what it means to one even acknowledge like mm, this ain't go the way I planned or I thought and then that difficulty of letting go because when you let go it feels like well man I wasted all that time I did well here's the thing even if you feel like you wasted time, are you gonna keep wasting more? Because it's all like what is what what, what they call this uh, the sunk cost fallacy. Yeah, yep. you know. So I don't want to keep chasing after a bottomless pit of of time and energy and emotion spent. But I'm like, man, for as much as I can, in the moment I'm in, like, let me press for and pursue the big dreams, the big goals, like, man, swing for the fences. Cause like, what's the alternative, man? Like if I, if I leap and I fall back to where I am, well, okay. I took a leap. I tried. And I just don't want, I, I, you know, the urgent, there's an urgency in me that says, man, I don't want, I don't want to join the legions of people buried in cemeteries with their dreams, mm. buried with their hopes, buried with the coulda, shoulda, woulda. I'm like, man, while I'm here, while I'm above ground, like, let's go for everything we truly say we want. Let's listen to our dreams, to our hopes, like. Even listen, thinking about, you know, our inner child, man. Like, you know, what does Edwin, the kid, imagine and dream about? What does Kyle, the kid, think about or aspire to? Like, what, what, do, we, what, do, we, what do we hope for before we get socialized into this belief that, like, oh, well, you know, you don't want to want too much. Or you don't want to chase too much. Mm. You don't want to do too much. It's like, man, what what have we to what have we to gain by playing it safe? Well, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna practice a little vulnerability here because I think I'm I'm convinced that I am not the only person who thinks this way. So in the in the discipline of working to better hear myself and be more sensitive to what I feel and uh, to be able to better communicate what I want. What I have recognized is I have a significant fear of making the wrong choice. And I have for a long time thought of whatever choices I make in life falling into the categories of right or wrong. And I've grown a bit to the point where now I think that thinking about all of my choices in that context is uh is deeply incorrect um we're big on rejecting the binary here at black men unlearning <laughs> so uh yeah choices are not simply categorized in this right or wrong way um with every choice comes a spectrum of possibility. And there's the, the point that you made about taking the leap and risking landing in the same spot is probably more of an appropriate model for uh, thinking about what happens when we take chances on things. There's not necessarily a disaster waiting on the other side. And that's not to say that there are not highly risky choices that we can make, but it is to say that if we spend all of our time trying to avoid risk, 
what we actually end up avoiding is life. And we just get a whole lot of the same thing. And if you don't, you may be a person who a lot of same feels real good. But in, in my just living and being honest with me, that's that's not true. And so it 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 does require me to be willing to to take a chance and to try a new thing and to risk, you know, finding out that maybe it's not the thing. And that's that's the other part. And I say this to my students and you know, the the hard part about doing the job that I do is sometimes I'll be talking to them and I'm actually talking to me. <laughs> and um just in, in telling them that, you know, you also, it's not bad to learn what doesn't work. That's that's actually a, a, a good piece of information to have so that you don't keep jumping into things that are not actually for you. And you can't figure out what doesn't work if you don't go get the experience, if you don't go try it out, you know? So, um, yeah, man, like, right it's 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 not a it's not a question of right or wrong or like what you're going to miss out on if you do this thing because we don't know what's coming in any circumstance what if what if you gain everything from the next choice and i think this pessimistic imagination doesn't give us uh space to see the world in a different light and while the worst case scenario, the practice of, of, of defining the worst case scenario in some way comforts us strangely, it is as logical to believe in the, um, the eventuality of the worst case scenario as it is to believe in the eventuality of the best. And I think it's important for us to establish a balance between those. If you find yourself in the practice of thinking about what could go wrong, I'm not saying to stop thinking like that because I don't really know how to control my own brain enough to not think of those things. But I am committed to also thinking about what could go right and balancing the two and then making the decision based on the reality existing somewhere between and am I willing to risk that spectrum of possibility in order to find out something new? Mm, you know, it, it occurs to me that it's easy to be so wrapped up in, will I be happy with the outcome? Without asking ourselves, Am I happy with the choice? Because even things that didn't play out the way I thought they would, on upon reflection, I recognize, yeah, you know, the important thing here was to choose from a place, from an imagination of abundance. Mm -hmm. The idea that like, you know, every cho every choice is taking something off the table and leaving something there. But it also gives the opportunity to like focus your energy on the things that are good, on the things that are beautiful, the things that are true to us. And yes, you know, that fear of missing out is real. But to me, it's also not lasting like I think with time and maturity has come an understanding that you know it's like it's like if you've ever been to like a really good buffet which which I know you have because we've been to we've been to at least one together and what occurs to me is that a satisfying meal in that space is not about having everything it's like, if I had everything, I'd be sick and disgusted and feel like, oh, why did I do that? That was terrible. But you know what I do like? I like 
coming up to those tables and grabbing that plate and thinking about, mm, you know, I maybe got two, two and a half plates in me. <laughs> what we go, what we gonna do? Yep. And I know that when I when I'm forced to really make a choice and say, okay, you can't have all the things, but you can have a lot of good things. You can have a plate full of good things. And like, man, maybe that in the end is much more beautiful and satisfying than trying to take a nibble of everything. Like, I just, I want the, I'm in that space of life where like, I want the good stuff. You know, I, and this <laughs> growth, growth place for me. Cause you, you know, you know, I like sneakers as much as you do. <laughs> but like something really settled me. I got to a place where I realized, you know what? I don't really need no more. Mm -hmm. Like I, I ain't bought no sneakers in a, in a, in a minute. Same. Uh, but, I, but like, I, I, but I realized there was this turning point where it was like, having things just to have them. That's not really the heart of what you want. What you want is to feel good about all the stuff that's on your shelf. You want, I mean, you know, to, to, to cite uh, Sister Marie Kondo, you know, you want the things that spark joy. And the sparking of joy, it for me, at least isn't about having any and everything. But it's about, man, the joy of like thoughtfulness when I actually just slow down and say like, hey, you know what? You like a lot of things, but do you deeply desire all things? Like, nah, I, I want what's for me. Um, and I believe that what is for me isn't going to miss me. Um, or rather, it won't miss me if I like get get out and be in the thick of the world and the thick of life so that what was for you can actually encounter you uh but man you know it's I, I recognize that you know my goal is not to like give myself a sort of perpetual pep talk that makes me feel as though these choices and decisions aren't gonna feel scary or big or overwhelming at times uh because because goodness we both know even when you when you know it's time to walk out this door and be on the journey to the next one, it can still feel like the 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 weight, the the agonizing, the like wondering, like, okay, when is this gonna resolve? When is this gonna end? When is this gonna look like I've been imagining it will look? And I mean, you know, we I know we both in, in different respects are in that space of life now. But I'm like, man, you know. I truly believe that the things we deeply want tend to be on the other side of labor and consistency that we often don't want. Mm -hmm. So and that labor doesn't look like <laughs> extruding yourself through an awful experience, but sometimes right. that labor is being able to turn off the the coping mechanisms long enough to just spend enough time to get to know what you're feeling, what you're experiencing, and what you want. Mm -hmm. And asking yourself, what is it that I actually want? And working on getting an answer and knowing that Hey man, like that answer don't necessarily come immediately. And it has not been my experience that I've had an immediate answer for that. In fact, I find generally when someone asks me what I want, it is one of the harder questions for me to answer at this stage of my life. But I am really, when I think about goals I have is being able to consistently answer that question and answer it well. I want to be in tune enough with myself to be able to say, I want this. This is what it looks like. Yep. And that means like I I can't I can't stumble into knowing that. 
I, I have to be intentional about shutting down enough of the noise so that I can hear clearly. And I, answering honestly and dealing with the The, the 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 discomfort of the honest answer because sometimes that answer doesn't come back in no neat package sometimes what comes <laughs> back is a sledgehammer and a pile driver like we gotta destroy all this because this ain't it yeah and ignoring the truth of that answer don't make it better And that's just, you know, kind of what it means to be an adult. <laughs> it, it's as much as it sucks. We 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 gotta be willing to risk that level of discomfort to find what's what's truly within us. Because that truth is gonna be there whether we acknowledge it or not. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I don't want to I don't I don't ever want to look up, <laughs> you know, down the road in my life and think, man, you know, I avoided the truth of what I wanted for the sake of playing it safe. Like, you know, you gotta <laughs> you gotta be in the game to win the game. And my 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 deep desire, my deep hope, you know, for myself, for you, for others, is that we don't shy away from getting in the game. Like, man, start, you know, as, as the saying goes, you know, it can either be one day or day one. So, and do it scared. Yeah, man. And with that, this has been another episode of Black Men Unlearning. As always, we thank you for listening and coming back. Uh, like and share with the homies. And notice I said homies. I didn't gender that. Uh, rate, review. Um, hmm. We aspire to do this every two weeks. Every every second Thursday. But you know, uh, that's not correct. Because I'm, I'm saying second Thursday. It's going to sound like I meant that we're doing it monthly. No, we aspire to do this every two weeks on Thursdays, but we have lives that are complicated and sometimes that doesn't happen. If it happens to be one of those weeks where you don't see that Thursday drop, don't worry. Nothing nothing terrible has happened. We just, we just trying to work it out and we're going to get it to you as soon as we can. Yes. And um, yeah, thank you all, as always, for rocking with us and we'll catch you on the next one. All right, y'all. Take care. Peace.